Hello and welcome to the Made of People podcast. I'm Andy Kroll. This first season is brought to your ears as part of 2020's Alt Brighton Ruby. Thanks to Cookpad and Free Agent for their invaluable support and sponsorship through a weird year for me and the conference. In this podcast, I'm talking to speakers from this year's online event around the topic of their talk. The video of each talk will be linked from the show notes. Although if you haven't watched the talks, this will probably still make sense as a conversation between two humans in a weird time. Cookpad love Brighton Ruby and are supporting again for the fifth year running. They run the world's largest recipe community with over 100 million average monthly users, all on their Ruby platform. Learn more about them at cookpadteam.com. In this episode, I talked to Penelope Fippen, previously of the Aspect team, about her new and masochistic work on an auto-formatter for the Ruby language. The free agent team are a friendly bunch with a single goal, making small businesses happier and more successful by putting them in control of their finances with award-winning accounting software. Keep an eye on freeagent.com forward slash careers for upcoming roles. Hello, Penelope. Hi, Andy. How's it going? It's going okay. The world is still ending, but we're all doing fine. So first of all, thanks very much for your talk. It was exactly what I had asked for and expected. So if you want to give a quick background to yourself, for those people who haven't seen the talk or haven't known your long and storied Ruby history, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah, my name is Penelope Fippin. I use she, her pronouns. I am currently a software engineer at Stripe. I was for about seven years a maintainer of the RSpec testing framework that I'm sure has caused much pain to the listeners. And now I'm working on Ruby Format, which is a Ruby auto formatter that was the main subject of the talk. I'm also a director at Ruby Central, the 501c3 that organizes RubyConf and RailsConf every year. I'd like to talk a little bit about your work on RSpec. You were involved in that project for a long time, many, many releases supporting many versions of Ruby and Rails, as it still does, right up until the next release, as far as I know. So how was your experience on working on that, and how did you get involved? So the way I got involved with RSpec is basically by being annoying. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to start fixing bugs and sending refactoring pull requests until you give me a commit bit. And it, to- it totally worked. Like, I was contributing for maybe less than a year before I received an invite to be like an RSpec committer, just through consistently doing that it's worth noting i was in university at the time so like i had oodles of spare time and what i decided to do with my spare time is become an aspect committer apparently um which is like i'm sure a very normal thing to do everyone needs a hobby Um, right yeah this was definitely mine i worked on the aspect project for for years and it was really interesting it was very formative for me for sure so what led you to move from that as your main focus and move into what appears to be from your talk and from everything that I understand about it, a completely horrendous project. So why would you choose to build a Ruby auto formatter? Anyone who knows me and anyone who knows my attitude towards software is that I'm a horrendously angry software developer. I sort of move through life being generally upset at the quality of most software. And so the actual reason I started working on Ruby format is I had I had sort of ideated this tool several years prior and we were at RubyConf Los Angeles and Justin Searles was like I am going to build uh, a wrapper around RubyConf called Standard and try and make it the dominant Ruby linting tool of the time and I was like I just can't 
I would not be okay with supporting this project as it stands. But what about this complimentary thing that I've kind of had the idea for for a while? And Justin was like, yeah, we could totally chain these tools together and that would be like a really good thing to build. It was basically out of anger at software not being good enough that fuels me to build this. And then this is also the reason I sort of stood down from RSpec is as you've observed, building Ruby format is like a truly ridiculous task. Um, And so I just didn't have the time to do both. And like where I was in my life, I like care so much more about getting Ruby format done right now than working on RSpec releases. I may, you know, in the future come back to working on RSpec once Ruby format is not absorbing all of my time, but we will see. And you've also been working on this project whilst you've changed jobs once, twice? Twice. Twice. So Um, how how has that impacted on your work on this? I don't know. Work? I would say the overlap between work and me doing Ruby format, there's not like a whole bunch of intersection between those. Changing jobs is certainly enough of a disruption to life that the spare time that I'm throwing into Ruby format goes up and down. But that has been true generally. I mean... I came out as trans and then transitioned during the development of this project as well. That was a much bigger impact to the amount of time I could spend on that than changing jobs, for example, right? So it it really varies. This is definitely a spare time project. I haven't really been pushing or focusing too much on using work time to build this tooling, although there is some interest inside Stripe about adopting it. Stripe has a really powerful focus on developer tooling, which I have been very encouraged by as someone who has spent her entire life building tools that face developers. So you say it sort of came out of discussion somewhat with Justin RubyConf LA. So how do you perceive it both interleaving and being different from the sort of standard RB project? That's a great question. The fundamental difference, right, is that Ruby format is not based on RuboCop. Uh, Ruby format is a completely homegrown computer architecture for formatting Ruby. It actually it operates like like down to the sort of like fundamental assumptions about how source code works. Ruby format is a totally different tool, right? And I mentioned in the talk that it's very focused. It only does one thing. And the only thing it does is format Ruby files. And so what Justin is trying to do with standard is take all of the Rubicop rules that he thinks make sense as like defaults that he has seen on the thousands of Ruby projects he has worked on as a consultant and sort of like wrap those into a one config linter so that you and your team never has to argue about linter configuration ever again. What we have seen in building standard is there are some Rubocop rules that when you apply the autofixes produce very inconsistently formatted source code or bug out or will recurse against each other in ways that mean that Rubocop can never actually finish formatting your file because it will be like, I change it to this and then I change it back to this and then I change it to this and then I change it back, right? And it just gets stuck in a loop and then it bails. And so the idea here is that we actually don't have in Ruby today, a tool that can auto-format Ruby files. This is not actually a tool that we have. It's a tool that we sort of pretend to have if we squint and look at Rubocop very carefully, but it doesn't exist. And what I've seen in discussions with folks who've like gone to other languages and come back to Ruby is they, they desperately want this. They desperately just want to be able to save the file, code snaps into place, and like everything looks really nice. And 
So there is appetite for this tool and it doesn't exist. And so I'm sort of taking a big, big whack at it, right? I learned something interesting the other day, which is that Go format, which is the equivalent tool in the Go programming language, took, a, took them a year to build. And Go format, or sorry, GoFoamed, they call it GoFoamed, I call mine Ruby format, that's a thing. Go was designed as a language to be auto-formatable. Like, the parser was specifically designed to enable the creation of this tool, and it still took them a year to build it. And so, I think, honestly, and I kind of alleged to this in the talk, but it's perhaps worth saying more explicitly here, is that this is an almost impossibly hard problem to solve in Ruby. And I think the reason we don't have one yet is just the barrier to entry, let alone being done, the barrier to having something that can sort of work a little bit took me, I don't know, 18 months before we even had something that we could call credible, basic thing that worked. It was just like 18 months of slog. And I think a lot of developers today are taught to sort of build slowly and iteratively in such a way that just seems impossible, right? Instead, I just sort of climbed the cliff and I knew that progress was being made even if I couldn't see it. So I was lucky enough to speak at Paris RB before lockdown, where yeah. I sat next to Matt's one of the days, and there were various talks going on. And one of the chats I had with him was I asked him about auto-formatting Ruby, and he had a really interesting take. So I said to him, so how do you feel about these tools? Like knowing that I know you and, and I know Justin a tiny bit, how do you feel about this stuff? And he totally appreciates why they need to happen, and particularly in bigger organizations. And he had a really philosophical very Matt's-ish point of view, which is that his job is to let people write Ruby however they like, and it's for other people to restrict the way this is, that people can write Ruby, which is a really uh, lovely Matt's-ish take on, yeah, cool, sounds like a good project. Not for me. <laughs> I also have had a conversation with Matt's about Ruby format, Ruby Kai in Japan, and he basically said to me, I think it's an interesting project, and it's not likely something that like Ruby core would adopt. Mm. Which is, like, fine, yeah, right? Because, yeah. like, it's actually one of the things that I'm now probably uniquely aware of, of perhaps anyone on the planet, and if not, then, like, it's, like, Matts and Koichi and those folks, is that the Ruby language is actually, like, vastly more expansive than I think most Ruby developers are aware of. The truth is, most of us who are just building Rails or Sinatra apps all day are writing, like, a tiny subset of the possible grammar of Ruby, right? Ruby format actually doesn't produce code that is complete of the set of all possible Ruby programs. Ruby format clamps down to a tiny consistent subset of the Ruby grammar, right? And that's a very intentional choice. All the crazy things you can do with Ruby, we disallow many of them in a sort of semi-opinionated, semi-like, you probably didn't mean to do this anyway, or like, if you have done this, like, you might be making other people sad, sort of, kind of. Programmer happiness right. comes in all sorts of directions, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of questions from people who've watched the talk already. One very specific and one that I think will be a good thing for us to finish off. But before I get to those, in talking to you about this, it's quite interesting. You spent uh, a lot of your open source career encouraging people to test the same way that you thought was a good way to test. And now you're spending uh -huh. the next part of your career telling people exactly how, <laughs> how to write Ruby. Is this, is this Penelope Fippen takes over the planet? Is that what this is all about? I have like a sort of pragmatic answer to this and probably like the... the and the reason you're actually answer. doing it. 
<laughs> yeah. The pragmatic answer to this is that building an auto-formatter is going to make everyone vastly more productive. Imagine never again having to have a conversation with somebody about how code is laid out or, you know, how you're going to configure your Rubocop file. I've seen teams burn, like, literal days times dozens of people on these kinds of things, right? And it's like, cool, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars just down the toilet, right? Because you're not doing anything useful with that time. The pragmatic argument is like, let's have this fight one last time. This is it. This is what we're doing. And then there's, like, the Penelope answer. (laughs) I am more angry about how code is laid out than anyone. I mean, I'm so angry about it, I've spent two years of my life building a Ruby Auto format. (laughs) If that doesn't buy me, like, a little sort of, like, benevolent dictator, like, I'm making the decisions, then I don't know what does. (laughs) That said, there are flags I've planted in the ground and then totally reversed my opinion on. Like, trailing commas was one where... I took, like, a hard-line stance. I was, like, trailing commas everywhere. And then, as I was slowly building the auto-formatter, there were more and more special cases that I was having to jank in because of this decision. And I was like, well, this is a good enough reason to reopen the discussion. And I pulled in a bunch of people whose opinions I trust. Eileen gave a very strong opinion, which is that she fucking hates trailing commas. Like, and, and you can and hear that my in, in her... Tag. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> just put a qu- just put a quacks a honk sound over it or something. I don't know. And I mean, you can hear that in Eileen's voice, right? I have very strong opinions about this, but I'm also willing to change my very strong opinions, especially once I start. Re- like, code is really like a good way to express these opinions because it's it's like feedback mm. to me, telling me whether or not they're good. Another one that's really interesting is I was for 15 seconds considering replacing stabby lambdas with the lambda keyword everywhere until chris seaton pointed out that lambda is not actually a keyword in ruby it's a method on kernel anyone can override the definition of lambda if they want to so this would actually be changing uh, the semantics of people's programs and so i was like oh yeah that's obviously wrong because ruby format should not change the semantics of your program and if you've overridden the lambda method for whatever reason we still have to work. We still have to not break your code. Because I spent the first, you know, 10 years of programming Ruby building RSpec, I've seen people do all of these things, right? I was exposed to a lot of the crazy edge cases of people doing Ruby in RSpec, and so I'm now sort of deeply aware of those in Ruby format. One of the things that you get into in the talk is how you're using the... the, I'm going to mess this up. How you're using the Ruby... Pause tree. Pause dot what? Sorry. Pause dot. Yeah, pause dot why? Yeah, you're, you're using you're using that directly. Does yep. that mean that your versions of Ruby format? This is a question from Alex. Are you using that directly? Does that mean you're linked to versions of Ruby? How does that play out for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, what that does mean is that Ruby format at build time has to link a specific Ruby to get the specific Ruby parser. And there are two approaches to this problem. I actually haven't decided which one I'm going to take yet. We're still sort of sufficiently experimental. This is something we'll work out when we get to release time, but I already have ideas, right? So today, it's very simple. We link Ruby 2.6. That is a decision I made because that was the current Ruby when I started building the project, and I was not interested in trying to work with the 2.7 pattern matching syntax yet. That will happen. 
but that is sufficiently new that people aren't using it today in serious code bases, and so it's not something I have to worry about yet. I will get there, but like that's extra syntax, and we don't even work with all of the two six syntax yet. And Christmases come, and Christmases go, and new things get added, and new problems get added for you. R- right, right. And I've been building this thing against two six for for two years now, and like we're still not done with all of two six. The point is, when we get done, it will then be pretty easy to add these new things. And then there's the sort of like long term answer, which is either Ruby format will compile versions for two five, two six, two seven, three, and then you will pick which one you are using against and we can detect if say your current ruby is a mismatch with the version of ruby format we can warn you if your gem file specifies a ruby and you're loading a different one we can warn you you know those sorts of things and then there's the other approach which is to just compile against 2.7 and then the highest version of 3 because mostly each new Ruby version's parser is a superset of the, all the previous versions, right? This actually is like one where Mats has made it really easy for me. Because Mats is so insistent that Rubies will not break previous Rubies, it is a basic guarantee that a newer Ruby will be able to parse all the Ruby from an older Ruby. Now, the parse, tree, the parse trees are different, right? So like, for example, we, we now have like bare rescue on blocks, which we didn't have in... I can't even remember which version of Ruby this was added in. And, like, I'm a global expert on <laughs> Ruby's grammar, so, like, that should tell you something. You're um, allowed to look this stuff up. Uh, That's what Google's for. It's, I, I, I don't know what Google is. But, yeah, I suspect we will go down the multi-artifact route. You will download Ruby formats for each Ruby you care about, and then there will be tooling to support that. Uh, a, a final question um, from Martin Yaga, I think. Nyaga? No pressure, obviously. He, and I suppose I am, curious as to whether you have any sort of sense of when this will be in a metaphorical done sense, like public releases, early releases. You make a lot of caveats in the talk about, don't use this, it'll probably break everything. Equally, here's a version that works in most of the major text editors as like a thing you can run under the hood. (laughs) So maybe try it. So do you have a view on when you'll be confident to recommend your friends try it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so this is, like, my favorite question in open source, right? Because the sort of, like... Is it done yet? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know this thing you're working on for free that nobody's paying you to do? Can we all have it, please? The form answer is it's going to take as long as it's going to take. But we have made tremendous progress. So, fun fact, Stripe has a Ruby monorepo that contains 7 million lines of Ruby code. I ran it against that repo, and it only broke on about 1% of files. Um, that's to say it, it only crashed on about 1% of files. The the output Ruby is sort of, like, suspect in maybe a much higher percentage. So there are two sort of classes of bug Ruby format has, right? One is, like, does it crash while trying to load a file? And the other is, does the output look terrible? And I have been mostly focused on crashes, because gotta fix those. Those are those are bigger problems. And like as we begin to elide those out, I will start to look more towards the formatting things. I'm less concerned about handing people builds that are unlikely to crash. Ruby format cleanly formats all of Thoughtbot upcase, Thoughtbot's like learning app, and does not crash on any of the input. It cleanly formats all of the RSpec code base. I ran to something familiar. Also, like, RSpec is, is is some sort of, like, crazy Ruby, so, like, if it works on RSpec, it's, it's likely to work on more normal Ruby. 
And so, so I am getting pretty close to where I'm going to be daily driving Ruby format and then logging the issues I have with it. Unfortunately, there's one piece I have to basically totally redo before it can be released, and that's the comment formatting. Today, Ruby format will just randomly delete your comments out of your files in some cases, which is like probably not a behavior that you want. Well, I know, I, I, you um, know, as you know, you, you could certainly take an opinion of just like, well, the code should comment itself, and so therefore, just delete all comments. I, I you know, there are human yeah, beings who do that, so. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want to be that kind of asshole. <laughs> I certainly don't want to automate that kind of assholery. So, I don't know. My sort of form answer every time everyone's asked me this has been six months, but that has been the answer for more than a year now. I don't know. It's getting pretty close. There's a part of me that's kind of like, I don't want to put this in people's hands until it's like really, really ready. It's really been deeply battle-tested because I don't want people to have a bad first-run experience and then give up on the idea writ large. I'm deeply conflicted about when handing this to people is a good idea, to be honest with you, but it is really cool. In the talk, you see the five-second demo of me writing a crazy file, hitting save, and the code snapping into place, and I, I will tell you, the first time I saw that happen in a text editor, and it just worked, it was one of the happiest moments of my life. I was like, this thing is finally, like, it's starting to fly. You did a little, a little private genius dance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, you can go download it, compile it, and start running it on your code base today if you want to. There's nothing to stop you. It's all open source. I don't have a private Ruby format with secret bonus features branch somewhere. It's all it's all in the open. I just like like the it has a I think it has an Apache license on it, right? Which says that like no warranty is provided whatsoever. Like this this could nuke your entire computer. And like I very much stand by that claim. I make no guarantees that Ruby format won't break all of your code, but okay, let me get really precise here about these caveats. I would be shocked if Ruby format meaningfully changed the behavior of your program today. It will either crash on the file you provide it, or rewrite the program in a way where it behaves the same, and maybe it looks good or maybe it looks terrible. I'm like pretty open to feedback about like, you formatted my code like this and I don't like it, and the more crash reports I have, actually, it's it's also pretty useful. If Brighton Ruby folks want to go ahead and download it and give it a go on their code base, I would not be upset. If people start daily driving it and then like discover it doesn't work, I mean, that's your fault. I told you it. Did, I, I told you it doesn't work, right? Um, I keep telling you it doesn't work, but like you can daily drive it if you want to. There's nothing stopping you. It's just not ready yet. And do you think that? Having access to say something like RSpec, where there is some like crazy Ruby in it to yeah. enable some of its you know broad base of support, and you know a, a fairly solid, well built Rails app. Do you think you'll make a recommendation? Say if you've got a pretty standard Rails app that's not doing anything too you know too different from what you'd expect. Is that a recommendation that you think you'll get to? We have to kind of take an incremental approach to this and. I just don't have the bandwidth today for the entire Ruby community to drown me in bug reports. And I know directionally the things that are broken, and I'm sort of like still chipping away at them. The comments one is probably the thing that most singularly keeps me up at night, because that is meaningfully destroying user input, right? If you are the kind of person who doesn't have any comments in your code anywhere, and you're sort of okay with an auto-formatter randomly deleting them, I would love for you to run it on your application and send me some bug reports uh, of stuff you don't like. Just be aware that I might not get to them for a while, but they are useful to me. 
the way I sort of think about releasing is like it's very it's very gray. Today it's definitely not ready, but I don't know that there's some point in the future where I will be like like it's now complete, right? And then there was sort of like another question in there about like what does a 1.0 look like mm. for a review format? What does stability look like? And to me, I actually have like a pretty clear definition in my head of this. Once we're very credibly not crashing on any files and we haven't had any like changes to the output format uh, for six months to a year, I'm sort of ready to put that that tag on it, right? Once Ruby format goes to a 1.0, we can't change the formatting ever again, right? The way I sort of think about this is you should be able to format your entire code base with Ruby format once, like single big change. And then from then on, it will just work for you and it won't ever rewrite the entire source base again. And so to do that, we have to be really, really sure that the formatting we've decided is one that works for everyone in the Ruby community. It will be nobody's favorite style. It's already not my favorite style. It will be something that's palatable to everyone, right? And that's kind of the idea, is that Ruby format is not truly done until there is a stable output style that people will always will still complain about it because it's code style. But the complaints aren't sort of bad enough that they merit investigation as to whether we have actually made a bad choice in formatting. That is the day I will slap a 1.0 on it, but that's probably two plus years into the future from where we are now. And like Ruby is a moving target as well. It's long-term tooling. I expect the life of Ruby format to be equal to like the life of the Ruby programming language. So it'll see us both into retirement. So that's good news. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm a little young to be thinking about retirement, to be honest with you. Never too young to be thinking about your retirement. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dad. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, that's that's a bunch of thoughts. With all the caveats I've said, like, if you want to try it on your Rails app, I would welcome that, and I would welcome bug reports, but I have an internal prioritization of what I'm working on. It's sort of things that make the most sense to me. That's great. Well, uh, I'm asking, I'm going to ask this to everybody as my wrap-up question, which is, are you happy? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question. That's a deep question. It is. I mean, we are in the middle of a global pandemic and like the city I live in is enjoying waves of protests every weekend. But on the other hand, I do in some sense feel like I'm, I'm living my best life for the first time in my entire life. So I don't know what is true happiness. I will say I have really enjoyed this chat and I I really want to say once again like thank you so much for inviting me to speak at your conference and I'm sorry I didn't get to take my yearly vacation to Brighton this year. Yeah, so like RIP Brighton Ruby 2020 looking forward to hopefully 2021. Absolutely. Thank you very much Penelope. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. See you next time.